Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the 12 Round News Podcast. I am your host, Rick Evans. And if you downloaded this edition of the podcast, it's for a very good reason, is that you are, like all fight fans, hyped and raring to go for Saturday, September 15th. It is the rematch. Canelo Triple G2 coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. HBO pay-per-view, 5 o'clock start time on the West Coast, 8 o'clock start time on the East. If you've downloaded this podcast, you want to hear about that fight. I am here to deliver that for you. We're going to take a look at the first fight. We're going to preview the undercard. We're going to talk about what each fighter needs to do to have a definitive answer, a definitive result, a definitive win coming up on the 15th. So, To get things started, I think it's worth going back a year and talking about how that first fight went down. Now, going into the fight, experts were split. There were a lot of people who thought Canelo was going to win. A lot of people who thought Golovkin was going to win. How and why? We won't go back and rehash all of that. During the fight, after the fight, everybody... It seemed to be a consensus. Now, if you're listening to this podcast... You, you, I'm presuming you know the result, but just to go back, that fight was declared a draw. Judge Adelaide Bird scored at 118-110 for Canelo Alvarez, a card that nobody really agreed with. Nobody thought that was even remotely close. Uh, to quote Jim Lampley, that card was fiction. That did not happen, and I agree completely. That was a ridiculous scorecard. Um, I, it's been said later that Adelaide had a bad night. Uh, without getting too conspiratorial, we'll just say Adelaide had a bad night. Um, Judge Dave Moretti scored at 115-113 for Triple G. That's seven rounds to five. And the third judge, Don Trello, scored the fight even 114-114, six rounds to six, scoring that fight a draw. Now, that fight was one was a fight that I was able to attend um, as a credentialed member of the media. I also scored the fight, and to tell a story about my experience with that fight, um, now, I certainly did not work for or was working for a somebody like a New York Times or ESPN or Yahoo, so there were so many requests for that fight, so many media requests, that the extra media, and I'm using that term loosely, there were some very nice folks up there where I sat, were put in a seating area that circled T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. So we were at the very, very top. So it was um, it was a unique experience. The last time I was able to come by and, and uh, be credentialed for a fight in Las Vegas was for the first Ward Kovalev fight, where obviously that did not have the same media buzz as Canelo Triple G, so I was able to sit in the media section and was able to have excellent seats for that fight and being able to do what I was doing uh, as a member of the media for that one. But for Triple G and Canelo, we were at the top of the building. I say that to justify my scorecard to a point. So I scored the fight initially on fight night, seven rounds to five, 115, 113 for Canelo. Now, going back and rehashing that after hearing all of the controversy, all of the dispute, how the vast majority of the public thought that Triple G won that fight, I went back the next weekend, HBO shows the fights for free, newsflash for those of you who don't know that, went back and watched the fight again, and there was one one round... And one particular punch, I believe it was the ninth round. If you watch the previews and the buildup coming up for this fight, 
on the 15th, you'll see one punch where Triple G throws this winding right hand and Canelo's on the ropes and he turns and he kind of takes it behind his ear. He It's a big shot. It looks gigantic. It looks great. Canelo shakes his head, doesn't sell that that bothered him, but it was a gigantic punch. I, from my seat, did not see that punch land. I looked down at the moment that that punch land. I scored that round for Canelo and I think that, and that was something that had I seen that punch, may have scored that round for Golovkin, turning my scorecard into a draw. So that was the only round, now to kind of continue that thought, that was the only round where I went back and went, man, I may have blown that round and in essence blown what we had there in terms of a winner versus a draw scorecard. So looking at the official scorecards, having it 7-5, uh, Golovkin, 6-6, and then somehow 10 rounds to 2 on Adelaide Bird's card. We're going to throw that card out because that, that I, I would love to hear an explanation on how, the, how somebody could have that either way. And that's sort of where I'm going. The outrage and the outcry that Golovkin was robbed, this was a clear win for Gennady Golovkin, is simply not true. Um, that's, if, if you have it 6-6, or if you have it 7-5, either way, I'm incredibly okay with that. I think there were a lot of folks who did not give Canelo Alvarez enough credit for fighting a fight that was incredibly effective against Triple G. He made Triple G miss a lot of punches. And I'm going to go back to the punch stat line up here and to the report and the statistics to back up what I'm saying. Total punches landed. Golovkin outlanded Canelo 218 to 169 in total punches landed. Percentage-wise... Golovkin was 218 out of 703 thrown for a 31% connect rate. Alvarez, 169 out of 505 for a 33.5% connect rate. Jabs is where Golovkin had the edge again. 108 jabs landed out of 361 thrown. Canelo, 55 jabs landed out of 233 uh, thrown. That's a 29.9% to 23.6% advantage for Triple G. Power punches. Now, if you watch the fight and you saw that Triple G was going forward, a lot of the fight, you would think, oh, he was landing big shots, big punches, and and everything that goes with that. But I'm going to read those statistics now. Triple G, 110 power punches landed out of 342 thrown for a percentage of 32.2%. Canelo, 114 power punches landed out of 272 thrown for a 41.9% connect percentage. That is a nine, about a nine point edge to Canelo on percentages for power punches. So if you're looking at statistics, if you want to go back and see a breakdown of the statistics and say that this was a clear cut dominant win for Triple G, I think you may have been rooting for Triple G when you walked into the building or when you turned on your TV and put down your $65, $75, $85 to watch this fight. Um, if you thought Triple G won the fight, I, I, I can't really sit here and say that you're out and out wrong. Um, if you say Canelo won the fight, I can't sit here and say you're out and out wrong. I think a draw was a very fair scorecard. Throw Adelaide Bird's card into, the, into whatever river you happen to be living nearby as you listen to this podcast. But it was a very close fight, a very competitive fight. Um, 
Canelo served played the role of the boxer, and if that's a style that you in that you put value in, that you make Triple G that he made Triple G miss quite often, um, you're going to tend to lean towards Canelo. If you wanted the bull, the aggressor, the guy who was coming forward, you're going to lean towards Triple G. So setting that up and and. And going back to to maybe the last point on this first fight, it was an excellent fight. Both guys, if you watch the buildup now for for September 15th, both guys landed fantastic shots. Uppercuts, left, everything you want to see. Everyone, the <laughs> Fantastic punches landed by both guys. This was a very close competitive fight. That was a draw. Nobody likes to draw. It'd be great if we could go to 13 rounds or 11 rounds and throw out even rounds so you could avoid having draws. But I digress. It was an excellent fight a year ago. Now we look to the future. And what does each person have to do to be successful and have a definitive end to this fight? For Triple G... A lot of it has to do with his lack of body work. Triple G did not go to the body that often on Canelo um, as that fight progressed. He was unable to to withstand a body attack for whatever reason. He may have been looking for the one-punch one punch knockout or trying to hurt Canelo upstairs um, when he wasn't really able to slow Canelo down. Uh, that can't happen twice for Triple G. If he goes out there and headhunts Canelo for 12 rounds, he's going to get a very similar result um, that he did last time. Uh, for him to be successful, he has to mix this up. He has to put Canelo, when Canelo goes to the ropes, because anybody who thinks this is going to be Hagler Hearns all over again really didn't watch the first fight to know how these guys are going to go. They're going to, it's going to be very similar. Canelo's not going to change his strategy because he believes, as he's quoted as saying, he believes he won eight rounds. I, I don't think that's true, but he thought his strategy was successful and, and provided a, a boxing lesson to, to Triple G. So Triple G needs to be able to take the steam out of Canelo, put when he's on the ropes, go to the body, go put that, put that investment in so when we get down the road, Triple G is going to have every opportunity to, to score the stoppage in the middle or late rounds. On the other side of that, Canelo fought an effective fight if that's how he thinks he's best going to win. And what I mean by that is if you're going to box Triple G, you're not going to stand there and trade with Golovkin. You're Because Golovkin is this notorious knockout puncher. You're going to give him movement. You're going to give him angles and frustrate him. There's a reason that if you listen to the buildup for this fight... Triple G and and trainer Abel Sanchez are out here saying, oh, you come do Mexican style and you come and trade with us and stand here. Let's see who's let's see who who's standing at the end. There's a reason they're saying that it's because he made it's because Canelo made Triple G miss a lot. He made Triple G miss quite a bit and was able to score effectively off of that. So they don't particularly want to have to face that again, so they're appealing to to fight fans and they're appealing they're attempting to appeal to Canelo and saying, "Oh, come on Mexican style, let's let's, you know, forget defense and just throw punches until somebody falls over." Um if Canelo f- follows that, it's at his peril. That's not the strategy that Canelo should be facing at this point uh, for either of their careers and, and knowing about the punching power of Golovkin, that is not an effective strategy for Canelo to follow if he wants to be successful on September 15th. Excuse me. So 
for Canelo to be successful, Canelo must box and really follow a very similar blueprint. Now, of course, it's all my opinion. <laughs> but he must follow a very similar blueprint to what he did in the first fight. Um, with that lone and real exception here, the middle rounds is where, where the fight got close. I mean, the early rounds were con- were pretty much con- a consensus for Canelo. And the last, I'm going to look at the scorecards here, the last three rounds unequivocally, all three judges gave the last round three rounds, 10, 11, and 12 to Canelo. And I, I did as well. So there was a middle point, and it, it appears, again, going off of the scorecards, that started in round four, rounds four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, where Canelo was ineffective. He did not throw a tremendous amount of punches um, and and truly had, you know, is what allowed Triple G to get started, to get into the fight, because the first few rounds were given to Canelo as well. The first two went to Canelo, um, and I'm trying not to watch Adelaide Bird's scorecard as I do this, but then things started to get interesting. It appeared that Canelo, after boxing early, maybe started to have some stamina issues there and ran into some trouble. Then he had a late surge in 10, 11, and 12 to eke out the, the decision. So, And that also goes back a bit to the body conversation I was having before um, in terms of what Triple G needs to do. He needs to be able to go effectively to Canelo's body so when he hits that wall, if that wall is really there in rounds 5, 6, 7, and 8, if Triple G has gone to the body in rounds 1, 2, and 3 and we get to that same point, Boy, that's gonna be a, that's a tough night, and that and in my view, that is the way Triple G wins a knock wins wins by a knockout. Is is he goes to the body effectively early, sets it up for the middle rounds to where Canelo is tired, does, isn't able to offer back, stops punching, and maybe attempts to trade, and that's where uh, uh, Canelo would get caught in that in that scenario. So Triple G needs to uh, effectively go to the body to change the narrative of what we saw a year ago. Now, a little, just a quick comment on ages, and, and I, I think I jumped around a little bit here on Canelo in terms of his strategy. Box, 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 box. You will have to pick your spots here to to throw and and land the effective punches that he landed in the first fight. He needs to be able to do a very similar strategy this time, except in the middle rounds. He has to work on his stamina here in training camp. He has to maybe pace himself a little better, do something to change the narrative of those middle rounds, because if he's able to effectively take what he did in the first part, the first two, three rounds of the first fight, and the last three rounds of the first fight, and put that together for the middle rounds, that's his blueprint for victory. That it it's it it sounds simple. We try to make it not as complicated as it needs to be. Um, it's a simple um, simple narrative for Canelo. He needs to be able to go out there and and box, but maintain his scoring opportunities in the middle of the fight to be successful. I do want to touch on ages for a minute. Triple G is now 36. Canelo is 28. There is some point, and Floyd Mayweather is the exception to this rule, but there is some point for fighters in the lighter weight classes where they are going to lose their effectiveness once you get past thirty, your mid-30s. If you go through the history of the sport and look at any great lighter weight fighter not named Floyd Mayweather, um, you're going to see drop down. You're going to see a letdown, a decrease in, in punch output, in speed, in stamina. You're going to see something. Um, and even with Floyd, you, if you watch his 
fights in the mid when he's in his mid twenties, versus in his mid thirties, late thirties, and then you know when in the the McGregor fight, that's not the same style. He did not fight the same way at different times. Your body changes. Everyone's body changes when you get older, and heavyweights are a little bit of the exception. And I, but again, I digress. We're looking at you know a 36-year-old middleweight champion against a 28-year-old middleweight champion. Um, boy, <laughs> the last thing to go on a fighter is, a, is his punch. So that's why everyone's going to have Golovkin as being able to be competitive in the fight. Is his punch is still there? He's knocking everybody out. His last, uh, with the exception of Canelo and Danny Jacobs, he his last fight against Martirosian uh, was a two-round destruction. Um, that, that was, that certainly got the, the hype back around, around the, the punching power of triple G. Um, but if you sit back and think about it, 36, 28, one's the, the 28 year old's the boxer, the 36 year old's the puncher. And I'm not saying triple G can't box. I'm saying, according to the first fight, I think Canelo boxed better. And I would get, if I were to put these guys into that cast, I would say Golovkin is certainly going to be the puncher and Canelo should be the boxer. Now it would be we're going to have a ball if so. Before I go into how things could could go, we're going to have a ball if this thing goes the way of Hagler Hearns, which is what I was kind of hoping for for the first fight. Was they both guys come out there and say we're going to go pretend that's a tough man contest and we're just going to go at it until somebody falls over. Boy, fight fans are going to have a ball with that. Both guys have power. But I think Triple G's got more power, so that's why. And I, in my statistic, in my strategy session here, analyzing Canelo, that's not the strategy to follow to have your best chance to win. So your thirty-six-year-old puncher needs to be able to either land effectively. He needs to land effectively to the body. This is Triple G. Your twenty-eight-year-old boxer Canelo Alvarez needs to box, box, box. Pace yourself correctly to continue your momentum in the middle rounds, and that should be an effective way to to be in a commanding position coming down the stretch of the fight. If you look at prediction time, um, and and if anybody who's listened to this podcast in the past and and listened to our preview of uh, the Manny Pacquiao fight, I broke down each fighter's records, their last five fights, and. And and really dove into a little more. I don't think that's necessary this time. Um, I think looking at that first fight is is more telling um, than analyzing any really big, deep-seated, you know, well, this guy does really well against people born in the month of May versus other guys who, yeah, I don't particularly think that that's useful, certainly not in a rematch. Um, it's looking at how the first fight went. And it's it's going to be a fantastic rematch. It's going to be absolutely great. So if you're to sit here and say who's going to win the rematch, I see more ways, I see a more likely, I shouldn't say more ways, more likely scenario is that Canelo finds a way to maintain what he does in the early rounds, in the middle rounds, and goes into the late rounds and wins a a 116-112 or closer scorecard. To, to and 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 is able to weather the Triple G onslaught. Um, Triple G has that one hitter quitter punch, where I mean we could see a two round destruction if Triple G comes out upset enough and and really gets into into a debate into a I'm not going to do anything. You're, you're not going to do anything, Canelo. You can't hurt me. I'm going to get you. That is going to that that's going to be trouble for Canelo, but 
he can, can, can also use that to his advantage and, and use his superior boxing skills to, to make Triple G pay for that strategy because everyone talks about the the punching power of Triple G, which is absolutely there, absolutely true. I, I make a prediction on this fight, you know, <laughs> very, very hesitantly <laughs> because I could, it could go any number of ways, which is the appeal of, of what the first fight was. So looking at this rematch, I still think if you were to break it all down and not have a, a you know, second round KO by somebody, but who's more likely to win a decision, I lean towards the boxer to be able to be more likely to win a decision. I want to say a couple, or I wanted to touch on the clenbuterol thing and what got the May 5th fight canceled. Um... I think there's a psychological component to that. I don't know if it really was tainted meat in Mexico for Canelo that led to those positive tests. Nobody knows. Well, very few people really know the answer to that question. Triple G and his camp say, nope, Canelo's dirty. And Canelo says, nope, I had bad meat in Mexico. Um... And, 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 you know, you can definitely go online to get the, the full backstory on that. But the quick version is, is some agriculture folks down there in Mexico may use clambuterol to um, improve the size of the cows. Hence, the clambuterol stays in the meat when the cow is... You make the steak from the cow. Um, that's been the kind of the debate uh, along those lines, it did lead to the May 5th, to the single de Mayo fight being canceled, um, and gets us to the September rematch. I, when I heard the story and I hear it, it's still being brought up and it's still being, and then just in the last week or so there, now there's, now there's a talk about the, the raps of Canelo being an issue for, for Abel Sanchez. And it's being brought up again here in the buildup to this fight. I, I think of Holyfield Tyson and I think of, Tyson questioning Holyfield being on steroids and P- PEDs and having that psychological component to it. I don't know if that psychological component is a huge factor coming into the 15th. I tend to doubt it, but I was reminded of that. Was Tyson looking for built-in excuses if things don't go their way? Um, or, and and I don't know if that's true. I'm, I'm putting it out there as another possible angle to consider. Um, or is... Triple G just going to go in there and say, this guy's dirty. I don't care. I'm going to get him anyway. I mean, that's really the other the other plausible angle there. So it's going to be a heck of a fight. I, you know, I, I'm going to take Canelo to win a decision. Uh, but and then, of course, this is where you kind of have. Hedge your hedge your thoughts a little bit where I say a triple G knockout wouldn't surprise me a bit. But if I were to say outside of some extraordinary change, because Canelo got hit with a lot of shots last year and took them pretty well. Neither fighter was really hurt in the fight, even though they both were hit with really big punches. Neither one of them were really wobbled, hurt, stunned, you know, to where I could say, oh, Canelo can't handle Triple G's power. I didn't see that in the first fight. And no matter where I was sitting in the arena, I was there. I watched the fight from my bajillion feet in the air view. Watched the fight. I was going between the, the big screen there at T-Mobile Arena and watching the fight. The fighters in the ring themselves. Nobody, Tri- Triple G didn't really bang Canelo to the point where I thought, oh, Canelo can't take his power. Um which is why I am leaning towards Canelo being able to outbox Triple G 
to take a close decision. I think folks are going to get, hear a decision and it's going to once again evoke some thoughts of, oh my gosh, the wrong guy won. Oh my gosh, how could they do this? Oh, it's rigged. Oh, it's Golden Boy and all of this. And none of that is true. <laughs> none of none of that is true. And, and if Triple G is to win a decision and it's a close fight, I think you'll hear the same the same type of thing. So that is the beauty and the ugliness of this sport and something that we will all kind of take with a grain of salt and know that that's part of the deal. Um, but say la vie, here we are uh, again for on the eve of a very, very big fight for the sport of boxing. Um, looking and I'm going to touch just quickly here on the undercard as well. So... Undercard. The undercard in this fight is fantastic. The undercard for this for this car. I mean, typically when you order a big fight on pay per view and it's not the UFC, if you're looking at a big boxing card, um, you might get lucky to have one very good undercard fight immediately below the main event. It's very rare that you get an undercard that's this good, where all four fights you kind of go, "Wow, this is great." All four of these fights could have headlined um, an HBO. HBO Boxing or HBO Boxing After Dark telecast. So you're going to get all you're going to get three great undercard fights in the course of the the, the huge main event. So uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez will open the pay per view. Think about that for a minute. Former pound for pound king, according to HBO's media. But uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez opens up against uh, Mo- uh, Moises Fuentes. So I'll be honest, I don't know much about Moises Fuentes. I'm not going to do a ton of research on this fight. I'm just going to sit here and say. They're not bringing Chocolatito back to fight somebody that's going to give him a ton of trouble after the way he lost his last fight. So I, I certainly think Chocolatito will get back on the winning track here. If he doesn't, I think that would certainly signal the end of Chocolatito. Uh, the fight that I am really excited about is David Lemieux and Spike O'Sullivan. Midway contenders, I think the winner of that fight will certainly be in line to fight the winner of the main event. Uh, I I will take Lemieux in that fight. Uh, he's he has power. I think O'Sullivan's going to taste that power, and I don't know how well that's going to go for for old Spike there. So I think it's a great great matchup. I think it's going to be incredibly fun, and and I'll again go off of HBO's media saying sure to be candidate for fight of the year. So um, that will be. An, I think that's an exciting fight. Two great contenders. Uh, if Lemieux wins and Canelo is victorious in the main event, I think that's very likely to be your May, your uh, Cinco de Mayo fight next year. Uh, but we will have to, and then, but of course, unless we do Canelo Triple G three, which who knows how the second one goes to get us to the third fight. But there's a lot of money there. So in any event, that's a great fight. And then the the co-main is Jaime Munguia, who is everyone's top prospect now everyone's everyone who thinks he he's he may be the second coming of uh i compare him a little bit to, to felix trinidad that's who he reminds me of but i digress i'll go off of media again breakout mexican star jaime Munguia to defend the wbo junior middleweight world title against rugged contender brandon bad boy cook in the main event in the co-main event um again you're not putting jaime Munguia in there in a, in a fight where he's gonna look bad um <laughs> Period. You're not going to put Jaime Munguia in a fight where he's destined to look bad. I don't. No one's deliberately doing that. If that's the way that turns out, that's the way it turns out. But I certainly expect Jaime Munguia to retain his championship in the co-main event, and he, I believe, is somebody who down the road will be aiming at the winner of the main event, 
But in particular, I can't anticipate him down the road fighting Canelo, regardless of who wins the main event. The Battle of Mexico there, and with Jaime Munguia's young age, I believe he's in the—he's certainly in his early 20s. I'll say he's 21, but I might be off by a year or two. Jaime Munguia, Canelo down the road, you're going to hear about that fight. That Unless somebody falls off a cliff, you're going to hear about that fight. So it's, it's a great night. September 15th, HBO pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Now, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from anybody who downloads this podcast on Anchor, on iTunes, Stitcher, um, wherever you hear your podcast, wherever you found this podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. If you're still listening at this point, it means you're liking what you're hearing. And I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk boxing with you for a little while here. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, The website is coming along. It's it's going to take some time to to get that fully off the ground. My the hope is to have it up and running for for the fifteenth. That'll be the goal. Uh, but we are on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. We have the podcast going. We're going to have a YouTube channel up and running down the road. So I'd love to hear from you with the hashtag Twelve Round News. Um, you'll see some uh, social media posts coming up that will have some polls in terms of who you all think will win the fight. Uh, Am I out of my mind in picking Canelo to win a decision? Uh, Is Triple G going to blow him out in two rounds or is Canelo going to win? Is Canelo going to blow Triple G out in two rounds? Talk about a prediction nobody's talking about. Is Canelo going to knock out Golovkin inside of six rounds? (laughs) I bet there's some money on that in Las Vegas just because it's the one that no one's talking about. So, um, and if, and, and by that same token, can Triple G win a clear cut decision uh, over Canelo? Some people think he did that in the first fight. So, a lot of variables. I, you know, again, hand over the heart going, oh man, I don't know, I don't know. I'm taking Canelo Alvarez to win a decision in this rematch. Uh, if that sets up a third fight, that's more money for everybody involved and more entertainment and suspense for us because we have two outstanding fighters. Both bring knockout power. Both bring skills to the table, um, and it should be a. It's going to be excellent, excellent fights. Excellent, excellent work. As often as they get together, whenever it is, it's special. It's unique. It's something that sports fans, fight fans. This is one of those fights that you can go and talk at the water cooler at work on on the whole week building up, and then the 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 next um, on Monday morning definitely talk about the uh, the result and and bring. Uh, folks who don't necessarily always watch boxing into the fold a little bit more to follow the winner and perhaps the loser of the fight and bring them into the under this big uh, big fan tent that we call being a boxing fan uh, in 2018. So I am going to sign off again. 12roundnews.com is what is the website that is being developed, but you can find us online here uh, through Twitter at 12 Round News on Facebook. Just search for 12 Round News. Uh, use the hashtag 12 round news to make sure we can see you and uh, you'll see some polls and some additional information coming up uh, as the week progresses and we get closer to September 15th. Again, it's going to be one heck of a night. Canelo Triple G 2 for the undisputed and <laughs> we can t- talk about the belts and everything else another time but for the for the middleweight championship of the world. This is Rick Evans signing off for 12roundnews.com. Everybody have a great one.